Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, I have a word of encouragement for you today. And as I kick off, I read a fascinating story about a woman who owns a giant horse. Sarah Ross is the owner of this amazing horse and uh, he's over two meters tall. They say you have to take him inside at night otherwise he'll eat an entire field and it costs them some 1600 rands a week to feed this horse. Massive, massive horse. Biggest horse in Europe. However, the amazing thing about this giant horse is that it's afraid of rain, it's afraid of snow, and when it sees a mouse, it runs away. Can you believe a giant horse will retreat from a mouse? You know, some believers, when they face crisis, are like that. They are giants in God, but they retreat at the smallest thing. You may have heard of Gladys Aylward, a wonderful missionary to China, the little woman she was known as, and she served the people of China, and uh, quite a wonderful story this woman has. In 1902, she left London and went to China and was serving the people of China when the Japanese invaded. And when the Japanese invasion came, one of the Catholic priests and one of the generals warned her to retreat. And this was her response to retreat. She said, Christians never retreat. I would rather be dead. This little woman would not run away, would not retreat. And she stood her ground, looked after some 100 orphans and rescued them. And in the face of terrible, terrible opposition, she stood her ground. You know, I believe believers at this time cannot retreat. We cannot run away from our faith in God and resort to just natural things. We need to be people who stand our ground like Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is the lion of Judah and lions never retreat. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, it says this. It says in Proverbs 30 and verse 30 that a lion mighty among beasts who retreats before nothing. If the lion of Judah doesn't retreat, then surely we should be people who don't retreat. And I want to speak to you today on the subject of don't retreat, don't reduce, rather redouble. Because in a time like this, we can retreat from that which we believe. We can reduce our commitment and our faith levels can be reduced. But we need to instead redouble because we're living through times that we've never lived through before. And I believe like the Lion of Judah, we need to look the challenges in the face and trust God. Now, there's a wonderful young man. His name is Matshana Dlueo. And he said this, he's a philosopher. He said, a lion will only retreat if you stare it in the eyes. Likewise, so will fear. And I think it's time to stare fear in the face and for us to face our challenges head on and for us to trust God. Because whenever you retreat, you run the risk of being killed. You know, David's army never, ever retreated. They always faced the enemy. And the Bible says that when they were facing the enemy in the forests of Ephraim, those who ran away, the forest took more of their lives than those who were in battle. So it's not a good idea to retreat. It's not a good idea to reduce. It's always a good idea to redouble. Now, there's a key text I want to read today from the book of 2 Samuel. And it's the story where David has taken Bathsheba. He has sinned with her and has plotted to kill her husband Uriah. He gets Uriah to come home and to try and sleep with his wife, but Uriah 
is such a good man that he sleeps on the mat with the servants rather than go home because he says the men are at battle and they're sleeping in the fields. How can I do this? So David finds a new way to get rid of him. And I want to read the story as to how this plays out because there's a very important principle that comes through in the story that we can learn from today. And then I'm going to give you four things that we should not retreat, we should not reduce in, and we should rather redouble. So let's read this text this, uh, this moment, 2 Samuel 11. And it says, The next morning David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by Uriah. He wrote, Put Uriah in the front line where the fighting is heaviest. Then retreat and let him be killed. So while Joab was besieging the city, he sent Uriah to a place he knew the enemy was strong. The enemy troops came out from the city and fought Joab's forces. Some of David's officers were killed, and so was Uriah. Then Joab sent a report to David telling him about the battle, and he instructed the messengers. After you have told the king all about the battle, he may get angry and ask you, why did you go so near to the city to fight them? Didn't you realize that they would shoot arrows from the walls? So he's really saying you shouldn't get too near. You should rather retreat. But it says, didn't you realize we would shoot arrows from the walls? Don't you remember how Abimelech, son of Gideon, was killed? It was there at Thebes, where a woman threw a millstone down from the wall and killed him. Why then did you go so near the wall? If the king asks you this, tell him your officer, Uriah, was also killed. So the messenger went to David and told him what Joab commanded him to say. He said, our enemies were stronger than we were and came out of the city to fight us in the open. But we drove them back to the city gate. See, they didn't retreat. Then they shot arrows at us from the wall and some of your majesty's officers were killed. Your officer Uriah was also killed. Now here's the key, verse 25. David said to the messenger, encourage Joab and tell him not to be upset since you can never tell who will die in battle. Tell him to launch a stronger attack on the city and capture it. In other words, don't retreat, don't reduce, but redouble your efforts and don't worry about what's happening around you. People are dying. Make sure you don't retreat, you don't reduce, but you redouble. In fact, the Message Bible puts it exactly like this in verse 25. The message, uh, paraphrase rather, and it says, Then David told the messenger, Oh, I see. Tell Joab. Don't trouble yourself over this. War kills, sometimes one, sometimes another. You never know who's next. Redouble your assault on the city and destroy it. Encourage Joab. So here's a story where we can see lots of people are dying, like we can see around us. But we cannot retreat. We cannot reduce. It's a time, David says to Joab, for redoubling your efforts. Your tendency is to back down, to reduce, but you really, really need to redouble. The word redouble is an interesting word, comes from the French, redouble, and it means this, to quadruple or to double a second time, to double up. But then in the Merriam-Webster's dictionary from the 15th century, it says to make twice as great in size or amount, and then it says this, to intensify or to strengthen. I believe this is a season not to reduce your faith, not to retreat from serving God, but to redouble, to intensify that which you believe and to stand firm. Because if you don't, you will be knocked back and you will lose your faith, lose your confidence in God and allow fear to overwhelm 
your life. And this is not a time for fear. We need to be like lions and stare fear in the face and say, you're not going to cause me to retreat. You're not going to cause me to reduce. Julia Ward Howe uh, was an interesting woman who fought for uh, the woman's vote in America. She was a poet and activist. And uh, she wrote the famous battle hymn of the Republic. And when I was a young Christian, we sang this. And, 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 and many of you would have grown up knowing these words. And one of the verses says, He has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. God is still working. God is still busy. He's challenging the hearts of men. But we need to be people who stare fear in the face and double our efforts, redouble our efforts and serve the Lord. So I want to give you four areas today where you need to redouble so that we face this onslaught correctly. Number one, we need to redouble our faith. This is not a time to retreat from faith or to reduce your faith and to end up in reason, in logic. Some people say Christians are illogical. No, we're theological. We need to add faith to our belief and to our thinking. Erwin Lutzer, a brilliant author, wrote a book called Where Was God? Good question right now. And he says, disasters might drive some people away from God, but for others it has the opposite effect, driving them into the arms of Jesus. The destruction of nature has helped them distinguish the temporary from the permanent. Disasters remind the living that tomorrow is uncertain. So we must prepare for eternity today. Today is the accepted, accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. When disasters come, God is not on trial. We are. In other words, our faith is being tested. We're facing a time of challenge. Will we retreat? Will we reduce what we believed? Or will we intensify and say, no, I am sure in whom I've believed. This is a time to redouble your Bible reading. This is a time to redouble your efforts to build your faith, to stay away from negativity, to make sure you're not drowning in news broadcasts, but rather you're being filled up with the word of God because we're literally being attacked and God is not being challenged. Our faith is being challenged and we are being tested. You know, there are numerous examples in the Bible where people were challenged and they were tested and they could retreat or reduce, but they stood their ground. Nehemiah is one such person. He was wanting to build the walls of Jerusalem. And as he did, he was attacked. He could have reduced, he could have retreated, but instead he redoubled his efforts. And in Nehemiah chapter four and verse four, you see how his faith was redoubled. I wanna read it to you today. He says, hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn the insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight. For they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. He goes to God in prayer. Then he says, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half his height. For the people worked with all their heart. They redoubled their efforts instead of retreating. And he goes on again when he's attacked a second time by Sanballat. He's asked to come to meetings and now he could retreat and he could get sidetracked. In Nehemiah chapter six, it says they were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. He asked God to help him bounce back in faith, to keep going, to not retreat, to not reduce, but to redouble the efforts and they completed the wall. 
I believe God is speaking to us today and challenging us. Make sure we read more Bible. Make sure we're building ourselves up through the preaching of the word. Make sure you join us online every week, that you don't miss a message, that you don't allow yourself in isolation to get sidetracked and to retreat into your own little world, but to make sure you redouble and that your faith is stronger than ever. In Colossians chapter two and verse six, the apostle Paul encourages us and he says, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. We need to take a stand at the moment. We mustn't be phased and we need to make sure we redouble our faith. I was reading a quote by a journalist called Jeffrey Fry, a journalist and author, and he says, be bold in life. Seize the moment. There's no surrender, no retreat. There's only conquer or be conquered, victory or defeat. Anything less is to be forgotten in history. This is a time in history when people are going to look back and they're going to remember what happened and they're gonna wonder how the church responded. And I believe that our legacy must be one of increased faith, increased commitment, increased discipleship, increased uh, commitment to God and to his church. Charles Swindoll says this, he says, stand still and refuse to retreat. Look at it as God looks at it and draw upon his power to hold you under the blast. You know, whenever God wants to do something wonderful, the enemy redoubles his efforts against us. That's why we need to really stand in faith. If you study scripture, you'll see that whenever, whenever the enemy uh, saw God's favor on people, he redoubled his efforts. In the book of Revelation chapter 12, you'll see the Bible says that the devil has been cast down to the earth. And that's why he's, he's, he's busy because he knows his time is short. And we need to be people who are not put off by that. When, when, when David faced Goliath, the Bible says, Goliath came out in the morning and in the evening to shout at Israel. He redoubled his efforts. It's time for you to redouble your faith because if the devil's redoubling his efforts, we need to take a stand and say, we're gonna be bold. We're gonna be courageous. This is not going to phase us. We need to have our faith doubled and strong in Jesus Christ. The second area that we need to redouble in is we should redouble our worship. We should increase our worship. When David was in a place of attack, he continued to worship. The Bible tells us that he worked for Saul. In the book of 1 Samuel, after defeating the giant, he finds himself in the temple. In 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 10, after he's defeated the giant, he finds himself in Saul's employment. And the Bible says he was playing his harp as he normally did, as he served Saul as he normally did. David worshiped wherever he found himself. But here's an interesting thing. The Bible says Saul picked up a spear and on two attempts, twice, double, he tried to destroy him. But in the midst of that, David continued to worship. We need to be people that are not disconnected from God, but that continually bring our hearts to him, thank him, because in worship, your problems get small and God gets big. You declare who he is and what he's doing, not what the devil's doing. And we must continue to lift our hearts in worship. Worship is not just something that happens in a church building. Worship needs to take place daily in the car, 
in the home. Right where you are today, you need to be a worshiper. You need to be thanking God that he is in control, that he has our lives in his hands, that this world is not out of control, that the virus is not bigger than God. And worship declares who he is. Read through the Psalms, encourage yourself, declare who God is, sing songs unto the Lord, and you'll find your whole life will lift and strength will flow into you. King David did that repeatedly. I want to tell you an interesting story that's pretty well known about a man called Horatio Spafford. He was a businessman, an attorney, and an elder in a church. And in 1873, he was so involved in his business that he wasn't able to travel with his wife and his daughters on holiday to England. They sailed off alone and left him in November of that year. And sadly, a ship struck their steamer and the boat went down. All four of his daughters died and his wife was one of 47 survivors of 226 people that drowned. Well, when he heard the news, his wife had sent him a telegram and she said this, saved alone, what shall I do? You can imagine how that man must have been devastated by that news. Shocked that all four daughters had died. He immediately got onto a steamer and he sailed across the sea on his way to join his wife. When they got to the spot where his wife's ship had gone down and where his daughters had died, the captain called him and said to him, this is the exact spot. I can only imagine the emotions that, have must, that must have gone through that man, the, 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 the deep, deep loss and, and, and the grief that must have filled his heart. But they say as, he, as they passed over that spot, he took a piece of paper out of his pocket and he began to pen a hymn that has become world famous, it is well with my soul. And I want to read just a portion of that hymn. He wrote this, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. What Horatio Spafford basically did was is he worshiped in the midst of fear, in the midst of death, in the midst of loss, and in the midst of grief. And you know, the story doesn't end there. It is said that he had two more children. He had a son and a daughter, and the son died of scarlet fever at four years old. But the Spaffords were not put off. They took their daughter, moved to Jerusalem, and they started a ministry to underprivileged people, which to this day still continues. In the midst of their loss, in the midst of death that came close to their home, he worshipped and he wrote a song that millions have worshipped too. We must be people who do exactly the same. We must not reduce our worship. We must increase our worship. We must glorify God like saints of old have done. When you read the book of Job, you'll see that Job did that. Job worshiped God when he got the news that his family were dead, that his house had collapsed. And uh, I want to read that to you from Job chapter 1 and verse 20. It says, Job got up and tore his robe, shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship. And said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord 
be praised. He worshipped. And you know what people do at a time like this is they start asking why. Where is God? Why doesn't God step in? They start accusing God instead of worshipping God. They retreat. They reduce their faith. They reduce their worship instead of redoubling and praising Him more and more. When David faced battles, he worshipped. And we must make sure that our worship does not decline. Always remember that when you redouble your faith and when you redouble your worship, God will give you double back. Job got double back because he redoubled his worship. And we need to make sure we keep our faith levels up and we keep our worship levels up. And maybe today you're thinking to yourself, well, why do good people die? How come this virus attacks people that are, that are good people? You know, bad things happen to good people. I want to remind you, there are no good people. We all deserve God's judgment. And no one questions when things are going well, gee, God is good. Why don't we worship him? No, we wait for disaster to happen. Then we retreat. We reduce. No, God is good. He does good. In the midst of tragedy, we need to redouble our worship and we need to lift our hearts to God. You know, worship is like incense that ascends. And as you worship, it's like it glorifies God. And it's like a smell that comes to his nose. In the book of Numbers, when, the, when a plague broke out amongst the children of Israel, the Lord told uh, Moses to, to get the people to fill censers. And as they began to fill the censers with incense, and the incense began to waft, the Bible says the plague was stopped. And so worship prevents plagues. Worship keeps our hearts in a good place. Don't retreat. Don't reduce. Redouble your worship. Number three, we must redouble our expectation. You know, at a time like this, people reduce their expectations. They get into survival mode. And we need to keep our expectation high. We need to live in what's called hope because hope is the expectation of good, not of bad. I don't expect to get infected. I don't expect to die. I don't expect my church to continue not to be able to meet in buildings. I expect that God will come through for us and that we'll get the breakthrough, that there will be a cure and that we'll be able to carry on with life. You need to keep hope alive and redouble your expectation, not say to yourself, well, you never know. And how long is this going to go on for? Because those are natural responses. A wonderful author by the name of Craig D. Lounsborough said this. He said, apathy is unconditional surrender where we are driven into hiding by unrealistic fear and firmly held there by the misinformed belief that we are helpless to do anything other than hide. Therefore, apathy survives solely on lies and can be completely abated by truth. There are many places where we choose to hide. And in hiding, we soon realize that hiding never eliminates what we are hiding from. We can hide, but you know what? We need to expect that we can come out from hiding and that God's got a solution. We need to be like a bear. You've seen those bears, they sit on top of, a, on top of the, the, the rapids and they wait for the fish to jump out. They've got an expectation, even though they're looking into turbulent water. There's an expectation. Soon something good is coming. We've got to be like those bears and expect God to come through and God to do something wonderful. Let me read you three quick Psalms. Psalm 5 and verse 3. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. Start the day by lifting your expectation, redoubling what you expect from God. 
and trust him for the breakthrough. Psalm 42 and verse five. Why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God for I will yet praise him. Worship again. My savior and my God. Don't let feelings rule. Let your faith be redoubled. Psalm 71. As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. Can you see how we've got to redouble our worship, redouble our faith, redouble our expectation and trust God to give us the breakthrough? You know, everybody around you at the moment is expecting the worst and they're expecting people to die and they're expecting this disaster to continue and there's fear in the hearts of people. But don't listen to the majority. Keep your expectation high that God is able. Paul landed on the island of Malta and the scripture says a viper came out of uh, the wood that they were burning and it wrapped itself around his arm and uh, he shook it off into the fire. And, and, and I want to read to you what the people says. It says, but Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. See, that's the fear around us. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a God. We need to live in the expectation of good, not the expectation of bad. And I want you to build your faith, expect God to do something and have your hope at a high, high level. Vaclav Havel was the uh, prime minister of Czechoslovakia. But before he became prime minister, he was persecuted and driven into obscurity by the communist regime. He suffered years of oppression and terrible persecution. And uh, he was once interviewed in a magazine and he spoke on hope. And I just want to end this point by reading you this quote. He says, I'm not an optimist because I'm not sure everything ends well. Nor am I a pessimist because I'm not sure everything ends badly. I just carry hope in my heart. Life without hope is an empty, boring and useless life. I cannot imagine that I could strive for something if I did not carry hope in me. I'm thankful to God, he says, for this gift. It is as big a gift as life itself. Let's keep our expectation up. Let's not reduce it. Oh, you never know. Let's not retreat. Let's redouble our expectation. And as I begin to move to a close, number four, the fourth area we need to redouble is we need to redouble our prayers. We need to pray like never before. Prayer should not be a last resort. It should be our first response. We should not pray to solve problems. We should pray to get power. And what we tend to do is we tend to cry out to God like victims instead of redoubling our prayer life and talking to God. Because when you spend time talking to God, you find that his power begins to flow into you and you come out of the prayer closet a different person. Jesus fed the 5,000. Then he sent his disciples out onto a lake that became stormy and the waters were rough, but he withdrew to pray. Then the scripture says he came out and he walked on the water. That's what prayer enables you to do. It enables you to walk on storms. It enables you to walk through storms. And then it says this, and when he got into the boat with them, they got to the place they were heading to. You know, you get to where you need to get to with power when you've spent time in prayer. 
Don't reduce your prayer life. Don't become so disheartened. Oh, well, you know, the, the, the death rate is increasing and the infection rate is increasing. And what can we do? No, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for a cure. We're going to pray for strength. We're going to walk in power. We're going to redouble our faith. We're going to redouble our worship. We're going to redouble our expectation. And we're going to redouble our prayer. And we're going to walk close to God so that you can see it in our lives so that his power is manifest in us. When Peter and John were arrested and they were threatened, you cannot preach the gospel. The Bible says as soon as they got back in the book of Acts, the people prayed. And when they prayed, the place where they were in was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. That's what prayer does. Prayer doesn't just get God's answer. It changes us and fills us with power. And there are times when we need to keep praying. The parable of the persistent widow in Luke 18. You need to pray and you need to pray and you need to keep asking God. Don't stop praying. Don't say, well, God knows. No, sometimes situations need solutions that require ongoing prayer. Jesus once laid his hands on a blind man in Mark's gospel. And the blind man, he, he said to the blind man, what do you see? And he said, I see men walking the streets. He laid his hands on him a second time. That's a picture of having to pray again. So if Jesus had to do it twice, surely we need to understand that we need to redouble our prayer lives at this time. Let's not retreat. Let's not reduce. Let's make sure that we redouble. As I close today, you know, it's interesting. When life becomes difficult, you can tell where people are and you can tell how strong they are. Some retreat, some reduce. Others say, hey, I'm redoubling. And I read a fascinating story about an actress. She's a French actress, Jean Moreau. At the age of 21, she was told by several directors that, uh, that her head was too, uh, was too crooked. She had a strange head and that she wasn't beautiful enough and she wasn't photogenic enough to make it in films. She didn't listen to those directors. She didn't retreat. Oh, well, I'm not going to act. She didn't reduce her expectation. She said, I'm going to make my life. And this, this is where her exact words, all right then, I guess I'll have to make it on my own. Well, years later, after making 100 films, in 1997, she received the European Film Academy Lifetime Achievement Award. You see, life will push you down. Life will say certain things to you. And your response can be retreat. It can be reduction. Or it can be redoubling. And you can be someone significant. I believe God's calling his church not to retreat, not to reduce, but to redouble at this time. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 